The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. You are listening to another World Cup 2022 Futures Preview here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast covering Groups C and D. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. It's at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. That's the Twitter account for LockBetting.com. That has delivered 113 months in a row of transparent track profit. The Twitter account will show you the P&L for the previous month. It is the pinned tweet. And the pinned tweet is the PL for the last month, which was the 113th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. Sign up now in time for the World Cup. If you didn't sign up at the start of the month, you've already missed 10 profitable days out of 11 so far this month. So we've only had one losing day out of 11. So a hot start to the month. We've built up that bankroll for the World Cup. So sign up in time for that. Group A and B was already covered on the first show, so let's move on to Group C and D. To make sure you never miss a show, make sure you subscribe to the Soccer Gambling Podcast feed. We are going to be uploading a load of podcasts this weekend. We are going to delay our reaction show to the Champions League. That's going to come out at the end of the weekend. So look for that late Saturday or Sunday because we still need to drop the EPL show. We still need to drop Scametta Italia. We still need to drop UFC covering the game against Fulham and looking back to Man United's win and loss against Aston Villa. And of course, we have this World Cup show to put out as well and an edition of the fight show over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network looking at this weekend's UFC. So you're going to be inundated with content. So I've decided to push that Champions League show back to late Saturday or early Sunday, reacting to the draw. And then next week, we'll pick up again with the World Cup shows looking at groups E and F. But let's move on to C and D because these are two interesting groups and they contain two of the favourites, Argentina in one group and France in another. France, of course, come into this as the current world champions and they will begin their campaign on Tuesday when they host Australia in the late game. Argentina also start on Tuesday. They start their tournament off against Saudi Arabia. And if Argentina remain unbeaten up to the game against Mexico, 
then in this World Cup, they can take the new world record for the longest reigning undefeated streak in international football. They will have the opportunity to eclipse Italy if they can get to the Mexico game undefeated. We'll talk more about that when we get to it. Let's have a look at these group odds first for Group C where Argentina are the 2-5 to favourites to win the group. It's 9-2 to on Mexico. It's 11-2 to on Poland. And it's 28-1 to here on the Saudis. The qualification odds from the group see Argentina at 1-16. to It's 5-6 to on Mexico. It's even money on Poland. So very, very close together, those two. And 7-1 to on Saudi Arabia. The straight forecast market sees Argentina and Mexico second as the favourite at 13-8. to With Argentina first and Poland as the runner-up at 2-1. to Mexico to win with Argentina second is 13-2. to Poland first with Argentina second is 8-1. to Argentina top with Saudi Arabia second is 9-1. to and the first scenario without Argentina qualifying is Mexico top, Poland second at 18 to 1. And in Poland top, Mexico second is also 18 to 1. Everything else is bigger than 33 to 1. The dual forecast market, which means the top two in any order, sees Argentina, Mexico at 11 to 10, Argentina, Poland at 11 to 8, Argentina, Saudi Arabia 8 to 1. The first scenario without Argentina is Mexico, Poland at 11 to 1. And everything else is bigger than 33 to 1. And we covered this on one of the previous shows, but there is a winner and last place double. I'm only going to look at the favourite here in the market because it's Argentina top, Saudi Arabia last. I think that's a very strong play. A slight bit of plus money available on that. That's available at 11 to 10, plus 110 for Argentina to win the group with the Saudis finishing fourth place and bottom of the table. So Argentina are the clear favourites here to win the group and there's a lot of optimism and expectation here for Argentina as they go in search of their third World Cup title following successes in 1978 and 1986. 1986 was the Maradona year, that was the year where Maradona carried his team to the 1986 World Cup with his goals and assists. And of course, that goal against England, I'm not talking about the handball goal, I'm talking about the goal where he ran through the whole pitch and and, and put it in against England, knocking England out. Uh, the following year, Argentina, or the following World Cup, Argentina also got to the final in 1990. Maradona wasn't as influential in that year because he was essentially just kicked around and uh, the referees let it happen. This World Cup happened in Italy where Maradona actually played his football for Napoli and uh, some controversial comments that Maradona made leading into the semi-final where Argentina knocked out Italy on penalties led to him having to play his football elsewhere because he did not please the Italians or the Italian authorities. So that essentially marked the end of Diego Maradona as a top player at the 1990 World Cup, where, as I said, he wasn't overly influential. But his performance in 1986 was one of the standout World Cup performances, if not the best ever performance by a player who almost single-handedly carried his team to a World Cup. And we've had performances where... 
teams have had key players before. Just the following year, Lothar Mateus was key to the Germans winning in 1990, but he was backed up by, by a decent cast. When you're looking at Klinsmann, when you're looking at Voller in 1994, it was seen to be the Romario show for Brazil, but he had Dunga, he had Bobeto. Um, France was really an all-star team as well. They had... Um, contributions from everybody of course Zidane would be seen as the standout player then we have Ronaldo in 2002 the um, the Brazilian Ronaldo um, and so on and so on but 1986 Maradona that was the standout performance from a single player in World Cup history where he carried a nation on his back which is why he's such a legend in Argentina so much of a legend in fact that when an undertaker took a selfie with Maradona's dead body in the grave, and idiotically this got out into the public, that undertaker was dead the next day. So he took a selfie with Maradona's dead body, it got out into the public domain, and the gangsters of Argentina, the underground gangs, kill that guy the next day. So that's how big Maradona is in Argentina. Of course, they have Leo Messi now, who will be hoping to live up to that as he looks to finish his career on a high and win his wor- his first World Cup as an Argentina player. Argentina come into this in the midst of a mammoth 35-game unbeaten streak that stretches back to July 2019. They seamlessly cruised through South American qualification, which is a grueling and long qualification process. They come into this as the Copa America champions for the first time in 28 years. Now, that's inexplicable. A lot of people often see the Copa America as a two-horse race between Argentina and Brazil. That has not been the case with the likes of Uruguay and Chile sneaking in to win it. And Argentina's gap now being 28 years. They finally put an end to that. And then they went on to win the Fenalissima again between the winners of the European Cup and the winners of the South American Cup. So Italy were taken apart at Wembley Stadium, a game I went to 3-0 by Argentina. They arrive at this tournament with plenty of support. Their prices crumbled from 11-1 to to 7-1 to off the back of this undefeated streak that they're on. Um, they have only been beyond the quarterfinal once since reaching the final in 1990. That was, of course, the World Cup final in 2014. But this current crop of players are peaking at the right time. It's finally a case of it's not Lionel Messi versus the world. It's not Lionel Messi accompanied by a cast of players from the mid-table teams from across Europe. It's now a decent support crew here for Messi, giving them a genuine chance, which is probably why they have finally won the um, the Copa America. And Messi hopes to bow out here with a a World Cup trophy added to his repertoire of trophies. The best bet here for me from this group in relation to Argentina is for Argentina to reach the quarterfinal of this tournament that is available here at seven to ten. Now, I'm not giving out locks on these future shows, but if there was a lock here on this show, if there was a lock from any of the first two shows, this would be the one. I feel the price of seven to ten is generous. I don't see a way that Argentina don't win this group. I think they come out as comfortable group winners. That will give them a runner up from Group D in the round of 16. And as long as that isn't France, 
then uh, then I feel that Argentina should be able to navigate their way through to a quarterfinal. And I think their potential opponent will be Denmark. We'll talk more about that when we get to it. And I think Argentina will be good enough to get past Denmark. So you're getting 7-10 to 10 on Argentina to essentially win this group and to then dispose of Denmark in the last 16, if everything goes according to plan. But I think that's a very, very good bet and something that I'll be getting behind here for the Argentines, who I do think have a genuine chance of winning this World Cup. I think the biggest competition for them comes from Brazil. I do believe that one of the two South American teams will win this tournament. I'm not convinced by the by the teams coming from across Europe. Yes, they dominate the market. And it's a case of Brazil and Argentina just being wedged in there with a plethora of European teams. But I just have a feeling that it's going to be Brazil or Argentina that win it. I feel that they are better equipped here for this tournament. I feel they'll be able to deal with the climate. I feel that this tournament sees their players coming in from top, top European sides. And that's the difference, really, with this Argentina compared to different Argentinas before, where they had players who were fringe players at the top European teams, but a lot of them were actually playing lower down in Europe. And now we have players with Champions League experience to accompany Lionel Messi here in this tournament. We had that before, but it was only in attack where you had the likes of Sergio Aguero and Higuain all playing, all attackers, and you couldn't shoehorn them in, whereas Argentina were weak across the rest of the field. That's not the case. When you look at Argentina's centre-backs here, you look at the potential partnership of Lissandra Martinez of Man United and Christian Romero at Tottenham. That's already scary enough. And then when you look at this midfield and the other attacking options that Argentina always have, they are a genuine threat here in this tournament. It doesn't surprise me at all to see them coming in here from 11 to 1 to around about 8 to 1, 7 to 1, given the players they have, given the fact they won the Copa America, given the part they, given the fact they took apart Italy, and given the fact they have that undefeated streak here coming into this competition, along with the fact that every neutral probably wants to see Lionel Messi lifting the World Cup, which I think, even as a Man United fan, even as a Ronaldo fan, will solidify Messi as the ultimate GOAT in football history. So looking at the rest of the group, some interesting matchups here. Argentina and Mexico have a historical rivalry. The Mexico game will be Argentina's opportunity to move past the world record at this tournament. Argentina have a friendly game just before the World Cup, which should boost them onto 36. They then have to start against the Saudis as 37, so the record should come against Mexico in game 38 of the streak. So that will make that one particularly interesting. Um, Poland benefit from playing Argentina last. So if Argentina are going to make any kind of team rotation, it may come against the Poles after the first two games where you would assume they would have six points. Then going into the Poland game, they may rotate their side, giving Poland a greater opportunity to pick up points against Argentina. Um, that may put an end to the, the narrative. A lot of people will want to see uh, Lewandowski versus Messi. I already see posters for it um, in, or, or wallpapers for it on the internet for this group. But that matchup may not happen. This may be a game to rest Messi in the final game of the group if Argentina already have six points. So it could come down to the clash between Poland and Mexico. This isn't a great Mexico team that they are sending to this World Cup, it must be said. While Mexico have shaded it in the eyes of the books in terms of who will qualify alongside Argentina, 
I don't necessarily agree with that. This isn't the usual free-flowing, free-scoring Mexico team that we usually see going to a World Cup. Now, Mexico beat Germany and South Korea to reach the 2018 knockout stage before they surprisingly lost to Sweden, which then led to them having to play Brazil, where they exited in the round of 16. Uh, They only found the net three times in that World Cup. In 25 competitive games, Mexico have scored more than two on just four occasions coming into this tournament. They did it twice against Honduras. They did it against Suriname and they did it against Guatemala. So hardly top tier opponents. So for them to score under three and a half goals in this group stage, which would be a goal a game, but no more than that. So if they go over a goal a game, if they score more than two goals in a game, you'd be in trouble here. That does represent some value because I don't see them taking apart Poland. They may not even score against Argentina because Argentina are very defensively stingy. And then when it comes to that matchup against the Saudis, I think the Saudis are going to take an approach where they set up with a low block to avoid being beaten in all of their games. I mean, Saudi individually, they're at under two and a half tournament goals and that line is set at two to five. So they're really not expecting too much goal action from the Saudi Arabia games. And for me, I think they're eschewing to finish bottom. I think both Mexico and Poland will get wins over Saudi Arabia, but I don't think either one of them are going to take them apart. So goal difference could be a factor here with um, with Poland against Saudi Arabia and Mexico against Saudi Arabia. Also, the match between Mexico and Poland is key. That is the opening game, much like it is for um, for Wales and the USA. Mexico and Poland is the opener, so that is key. And that in itself could be a cagey affair because they know losing to each other with Argentina being in this group could be fatal. But I think Poland have the advantage in terms of playing Argentina last. I expect a full effort from Argentina against the Saudis and against Mexico, especially with the world record on the line. And then if you get that relaxed, complacent performance with rotated players, that's going to come against Poland if anybody in this group. So... I think that's a big advantage for Poland. So I like them here to come through the group at the price of 6-5 plus 120. The bookies do rank them as the underdogs behind Mexico to come through this group. But I think that the way the group is drawn, that does favour them. Plus the fact this Mexico team are failing to score goals coming into this competition. Now, Poland's performance at the Euros is obviously worrying where they finish bottom of their group. But since the Euros, they've been solid They've come through a group with England. They got a draw against England. They come in with two wins against Wales, a win over Sweden. And they are, of course, spearheaded by Robert Lewandowski. Uh, Their record since their Euro exit has been eight wins, three draws and four losses. And uh, those defeats came against Belgium twice, the Netherlands and Hungary, who we've seen are a decent team in the Nations League. They are the surprise package from Nations League A. So no embarrassment in terms of losing those defeats. Um, I feel that they'll be able to compete here with Mexico. I think I've seen enough from them. And as I said, with Lewandowski spearheading the attack, you always have a chance to win games. And when you look at the Mexico side and you look at the Poland side, Between the two teams, they have one world-class player between them, and that is Robert Lewandowski, and that could make a difference. Much like where we looked at the the game between the USA and Wales, 
Gareth Bale is the match winner between those two teams. And I think Lewandowski could be the difference. And I think schedule could be key here as well. As I said, I reiterate, Poland are playing Argentina last, where I assume that Argentina will already have maximum points. As for the Saudis and why we're not talking about them too much, I don't think they're going to break their run of 10 consecutive World Cup defeats against non-African opponents. Their results since since September read like um, binary code almost. 5-1-0 wins, 4-1-0 defeats and 3-0-0 draws from 16 fixtures, which is why I think they're going to be involved in low-scoring games. They have only scored five goals in 13 games and finding net is going to be a challenge here. They're going to set up with a defensive block and their team total of two and a half goals is a red hot underplay. Although you will have to lay a lot of juice, you'll have to get out of minus 220. Perhaps look at parlaying that with something because I think it's highly unlikely that the Saudis are going to find the net three times in this tournament. So... With that said, we'll move on to Group D. This is the group that features the current world champions, France, coming off the back of winning the last World Cup in Russia, beating Croatia in the World Cup final. And France are, of course, the favourites to win Group D, where they are the 4-9 favourites. It's 9-4 on Denmark. It's 18-1 here on Tunisia. And it's 20-1 here on Australia. The qualification odds from the group see France at 1 to 16, Denmark at 1 to 3, Tunisia 4 to 1, and Australia at 9 to 2. The straight forecast market sees France first, Denmark second at even money plus 100, Denmark first, France second at 3 to 1 plus 300, France first, Australia second at 7 to 1, France first, Tunisia second also at 7 to 1. And uh, Denmark first, Tunisia second is the first combination without the French. And that's available at 18 to 1. And everything else is bigger than 20 to 1. The dual forecast market here, France and Denmark to finish in the top two is clear. That's in any order. That's a 1 to 2 minus 200. France and Tunisia to both finish top two in the group is at 11 to 2. Australia and France to be the top two in the group is 6 to 1 plus 600. And the first combination without France is at 16 to 1. That's Australia and Denmark. And everything else is bigger than 20 to 1. The first place, last place double isn't really worth covering here. I don't have a strong lean as to who it will be. I just don't think it'll be Denmark. So uh, France first, Tunisia last is 2 to 1. And France first, Australia last, is also at 2-1 to one plus 200. The question is, how certain am I that France will win this group? Because in Denmark, you have a team that went further than the French in the last competition. It was Denmark who, of course, lost their first game of the tournament, which was marred by the Christian Eriksen Hart episode. And it was very, very distracting for, for Denmark. And they went on to lose that first game. They then went on to win the rest of the games and reach the semi-final of that tournament. So they went further than France, who were beaten by Switzerland in a penalty shootout. And this came after France relinquished a 3-1 lead in the game. Paul Pogba scored his goal and they were celebrating and they thought they were through. And they were also complacent because they allowed the Swiss to make a 
incredible comeback, one of the most incredible comebacks I think I've seen in, in football in my lifetime. And it saw France exit the competition. It'd be interesting to see what would happen if France had remained in the competition because that was the first time in that round of 16 game where France really looked good. They, they stumbled through the group stage, even though they were drawn in the group of death, they, they still stumbled through it. And, um, and then it was during that game against Switzerland and only for a short 30, 40 minute period where France actually looked good. Now, France arguably boasts the tournament's deepest playing pool, but injuries have actually decimated that. If you look at the midfield that France have picked for this tournament, it's certainly not the strongest. Um, there are decisions to be made over the formation. There are decisions to be made over positions. Uh, there are decisions to be made in terms of the tactical approach. And um, you're also looking to avoid the curse of the World Cup winners because World Cup winners don't tend to go back to back. Karim Benzema has not um, carried his club form over to the country since he decided to come back and play for his country. In fact, Karim Benzema hasn't even carried over his Ballon d'Or form from last season into this season for Real Madrid. Um, Deschamps is being criticised by the by the media back home with supporters suggesting that these, his reign has become stale since they won the World Cup. He's been in charge now for a decade. Um, and this could be a difficult group with both Tunisia and Denmark being respected and uh, France themselves being a low-scoring team despite having the likes of Benzema, Griezmann and Kylian Mbappe in their ranks. So I don't think it looks good for France in this World Cup. I'm looking to fade the European teams anyway and uh, and France have all the ingredients there to fade them. Yes, they have a strong squad on paper, particularly in defence and particularly in attack, but the midfield is weak. With you missing Pogba and Kante, who I feel undoubtedly would have been two starters in this team, um, that certainly does weaken your midfield and it's difficult for me to see France getting anywhere near winning this World Cup. In in, in order for our Argentina bet to, to cash, for Argentina to reach the quarterfinal, ideally you don't want to be playing against France, but I do feel that Argentina will be able to overcome France if France do find a way to not win this group. And looking at the way that they stumbled through at the last tournament, at the Euros, there is a real possibility that it could come down to, to Denmark and France on, on goal difference, with Denmark possibly being able to get something from the France game and winning their other two, while France aren't clicking as an attack the way that they should be. France have all of these attacking options, as I said, but it really hasn't clicked. And therefore, when you're looking at um, their tournament total of over six and a half goals, I would actually lean towards the, the under, especially given the opponents that they face in this group. I think Australia are going to set up defensively. I know Tunisia are going to set up defensively. That's what the African teams tend to do. But when you're looking at this, this France squad, and particularly when you're looking at this midfield, I'm not convinced this time that they can go far in this tournament. So let's have a little deep delve into what I'm actually talking about in goal, the goalkeeper is obviously going to be Hugo Lloris of Tottenham. And even in that position, Tottenham fans are questioning whether it's time to sign a new goalkeeper. Perhaps Lloris isn't the goalkeeper that he was. I mean, he's definitely not going to be the goalkeeper that he was at his peak. Maybe not even the goalkeeper that he was four years ago when France got to the World Cup final and won it against Croatia. A game where Lloris still conceded two goals and didn't play well in that World Cup final. 
in defence. They've picked Pavard. They've picked Jules Kunde of Barcelona. They have Rafa Varane of Man United, who comes in with an injury. Teo Hernandez, who will probably be the starting left back ahead of Lucas Hernandez of Bayern Munich. They have Benoit Badia Schiel of um, Monaco. They have Ferlan Mendy of Real Madrid. They've taken Canate from Liverpool, Upper Meccano from Bayern Munich, and William Saliba from Arsenal. Now, here's the midfield. Now, this seems very, very weak for me. There's no doubt that Camavinga of Real Madrid is a top player and he's going to get even better. But should he be a starter at this tournament for the French national team? Is he ready to start for the French national team? Especially when you consider he may be starting alongside Tushimeni, who he also plays for at Real Madrid. I don't see how these two don't start because I cannot make a case for Yusuf Ofana. I cannot make a start for Matteo Gunduzi. Adrian Rabiot was a player that Juve were trying to get rid of in the summer and nobody wanted to play his wages. And then you have Jordan Verretal from Marseille. That isn't a strong midfield for your world champions. Obviously, you're missing Kante. Obviously, you're missing Paul Pogba. But I don't think that's a strong enough midfield to compete here for this World Cup. Up top, they're obviously stacked. But as I said, things are not clicking for these players. Karen Benzema is a player they've tried to shoehorn into this team. Alongside Mbappe and uh, and Griezmann, I think they're the main front three. That hasn't really worked. Along with those guys, they've got Kingsley Coman of Bayern Munich, Usman Dembele of Bayern Munich, who, of Barcelona, sorry, who's finally found some form. This is a player who many say is actually better than Mbappe on his day, but we, we haven't seen it on a consistent basis. Oliver Giroud, a forever present, and it wouldn't actually see it wouldn't actually surprise me to see Olivier Giroud working his way into this eleven during the tournament when they decide that they do need that that target man in the side. And of course you have Christopher and Cuckoo, that's a one hundred million pound player who isn't going to be in your starting lineup when Christopher and Cuckoo of RB Leipzig. So this team is strong, this team is stacked, this squad is strong, but that midfield is weak. And for me, Denmark may actually be a live dog to win this group off the back of reaching the semi-finals at the Euros. Um, so we move on to Denmark next, who displayed what they were capable of at Euro 2020 when reaching the semi-finals. They are likely to be able to find a way past Australia and Tunisia, and their match against France could ultimately decide the group. And Denmark are a team who are capable of setting up with a defensive block and taking something from that game. They may even be able to nick a result. I genuinely feel they are a live dog here to to get something from the group. And obviously, the qualification odds tell you that backing them individually to qualify is not worth the bet. And even backing them with France, as short as 1-2-200 to two minus 200 as in, a, in a dual forecast, doesn't really offer too much value. There isn't really too much value to be found in this group. I would lean towards Australia to finish bottom of Group D as my bet for this group if you have to force something in Group D. Australia come into this needing two playoff wins against UAE and Peru to book their place in Qatar, although the win over Peru is somewhat impressive. Uh, They scrapped their way through group stage qualifying ahead of Oman, highlighting where the team currently are and... um, 
when you look at the, the actual data, they are rated as the worst team in Group D when you're looking at data like expected goals and, and, and whatnot. Uh, Australia do rank as the clear worst team in the group. Tunisia are the third-ranked team to qualify from this group, and uh, their defensive solidity is the thing that's going to give them the best chance of qualifying. They conceded just twice in eight qualifying games, whilst um, I feel that France and Denmark will find it difficult to unlock the door when it comes to facing Tunisia. I do ultimately feel that they will lose both of those games and they are not a contender to qualify from this group. So I have France and Denmark qualifying. I have Denmark here as a live dog and uh, I have Australia finishing bottom as I do think Tunisia will make themselves more difficult to beat. And I do think Tunisia could edge out that game between themselves and Australia. This isn't a strong bet. This is far from a lock or anything like that. But if you're looking for two leans in this group, I would be looking at Australia to finish bottom at the price of even money plus 100. And I would certainly be looking at France to score under 6.5 team goals at a price of 10 to 11. I think that's very, very generous. You're looking at this France team scoring over two goals per game. If they average two goals per game, that adds up to six. So they would need to be scoring over two goals a game. And you're coming up against teams who are all going to sit with a defensive low block and make themselves difficult to break down. France have struggled against that. Now, obviously, this could all go wrong because France could go up against Australia and they could win that game 4-5-0, or five nil, putting you in a difficult position. But we haven't seen that from France. We haven't seen that standout performance over the last few years since they won the World Cup. We saw them do virtually nothing at the Euros. We saw a good... 30-minute period where they took apart the Swiss and then they were complacent and let the Swiss back into the game and eventually lost the penalty shootout with Mbappe missing the penalty. Kylian Mbappe is a player who I think on the world stage will be desperate for a big performance. We know he wanted to move to Real Madrid, but ultimately when he was offered more money and more power at PSG, he ended up staying there, a move that has received a lot of criticism. And there has been a lot of criticism directed towards Mbappe over the last few years. He does continue to play in the French League, which is a farmer's league. He hasn't carried his team to a Champions League. He hasn't done anything really for his country either since the 2018 World Cup. And this is a player who's supposed to be somewhere down the line eschewing for a Ballon d'Or. He hasn't got near it. So I think personally, Kylian Mbappe will be an interesting player to watch because I think he wants a standout World Cup. However, I don't think that having arguments about your best position are going to help him. Kylian Mbappe currently feels that he wants to be playing in the hole, that he wants to be playing behind the strikers, that he wants to influence that game from that position, much like the likes of Zidane and, and Messi and Maradona have done. That's where Mbappe sees himself as a, as a number 10. That has never been proven to be his best position. He has no history of doing anything from that position. And to suddenly demand that from PSG and to suddenly demand that from France, I think says a lot about this player and why this player shouldn't be mentioned in the same breath as the likes of Ronaldo and Messi. There will never be another Ronaldo and Messi. And if you're looking for Kylian Mbappe to live up to that and to win Ballon d'Or after Ballon d'Or after Ballon d'Or, I think you're looking in the wrong place. So that concludes your Group C and D preview. Groups E and F will be available just after the weekend, after we cover all of our usual weekend content on the Soccer Gambling Podcast feed. So make sure you have subscribed. 
Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.